My rock bottom, I do remember it very significantly. There was a moment. Um, it was actually, I was home for my mom's birthday. Um, and I basically had a panic attack because along with eating disorders comes a lot of anxiety. Um, depression is all coupled in with it. So I basically had a panic attack and thought that I was having a heart attack um, because at that point I would, I would have a lot of weird pains some due to anxiety, some due to, you know, being malnourished. Um, but I ended up in the hospital on my mom's birthday. Good morning, everyone. This is Jared Bassman with Mark McCain, and you are listening to Triumph Every Day. We discuss the journeys that shaped the lives of our guests and how it brought them to where they are today. And the most special of guests today, Mrs. Lauren Baston. Ooh, this kind of rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Yeah, that hard B. Yes. It was meant to be. Uh, we're technically not married. It is August 9th, but by the time this airs, we will be married. Wow. Uh, God willing. I guess, right? <laughs> so, um, I know obviously quite a bit about you, uh, but there's a lot of stuff that that people here, uh, people listening, probably don't know about you. So, um, I don't know. I'm going to let Mark do most of the talking for once. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's just, uh, let's, let's start out with tell everybody where you're from and... Uh, and uh, kind of where you came from. Because um, again, I know, this is gonna be weird, you telling me all this stuff, but. Yeah, sure. So, I am from Kentucky. <laughs> but um, to kind of, you know, go a little bit into my fitness journey, my background, um, I was an athlete in high school. I played volleyball and tennis um, all throughout high school and Went to college at Eastern Kentucky University, um, where I got into group fitness. I was a group fitness instructor there, so I got into some classes doing group fitness there. Um, I majored in marketing. Um, started out as a nursing major, but couldn't stand the sight of blood, so uh, majored in marketing. And Let's stop there for a second, <laughs> yeah. because this is just funny to me, honestly. <laughs> um, you. We both share a, um, I don't know if it's a fear, whatever the effect is where my blood pressure drops to like zero whenever I get a shot uh, or I just pass out. Mm. You kind of have the same thing and I know there's a couple funny stories. Uh, as a nursing major um, that may have come about, right? Yeah, yeah. So when I was, um, I think it was organic chemistry, I was, my second semester of nursing, about to start my clinicals, um, we were doing blood typing and just, you know, the prick of the finger, squeezing out the blood. And I wasn't even doing it, my teacher was doing it, but she was one of those teachers who was... Really into blood? Yeah, and she was, <laughs> you know, kind of like telling us like, you know, you gotta get in there and squeeze it out. And um, I just standing back there and I felt myself getting real dizzy and real dizzy so I walked out of the classroom and 
kind of fell against the wall and the bathroom was kind of catty corner for me so I get down and on all fours <laughs> and I crawl to the bathroom because I couldn't stand up and college campus yeah, yeah. college <laughs> campus yeah and um I remember being at the toilet and not knowing if I was going to throw up or pass out or what. And then the next thing I remember was waking up with the EMTs all around me. Uh-huh. So apparently I passed out. <laughs> and um, the person came in to clean the bathroom and found me and called 911. Um, that should have been my sign to quit nursing school, but you know, I'm, a little nudge. wasn't a quitter. So I kept going and found my way into clinicals and ended up passed out my first day of clinicals as well so that was when mm-hmm. I officially how far threw in the towel how far how far <laughs> into schooling were you like how far is that our clinicals into schooling um it was my second semester sophomore year so so a year almost halfway through a year and a half to two years yeah. in yeah <laughs> mm. it shouldn't be funny but it's funny it's kind of funny it's kind of funny I just thought of a lot of jokes now we can play on you around here. Right, yeah. can't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so you took it, where did you go from there? So you decided like, okay, maybe this isn't for me. Yeah, I didn't really know what to do or where to go into. Um, I honestly kind of looked at some of the stuff I was interested in, what I could possibly, I almost went into actually um, like a health or a fitness, because I was doing group fitness at the time. and really liked it but when I talked to my advisor I was gonna have to stay a lot longer than I wanted to to finish with a fitness background health and fitness so um, with a couple summer classes I was able to graduate on time with a marketing degree so that kind of was where I decided to go just to well, and stay on track your dad's in sales and mm-hmm. I mean he's very 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 good at it so I don't know was that a did that play a part yeah it did for sure um, you know, once I realized I wasn't going to be a nurse and I wasn't going to be a broadcaster because that was originally what I wanted to do. Um, Broadcasting is one of those that is uh, incredibly tough to get into um, and incredibly even tougher for females, unfortunately. Uh, Darby, who comes here, uh, she's in sporadically because she is so busy. Um, She is a powerhouse when it comes to being dead set on her career. She's one... um, I talked to her the one day, and this is at the time, so she goes to NKU. I think she, did she recently graduate? I mm-hmm. think, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, um, but, well, first off, she's, you know, someone asked her about, oh, you have a boyfriend? She said, I don't want a boyfriend because it's gonna get in the way of what I want. Oof. That's, that's huge. And to, to have the wherewithal yeah. of that at, you know, yeah. 20, 21, that's, that's crazy. Um, but she was, she goes to NKU or went to NKU. Her broadcasting internship or job or whatever she had was at UK. She had to be on the field at 5 a.m. leaving from here. Wow. So she'd be getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning, going down there for practice. Because basically practice for her as well as their practice. Yeah. Um, and uh, parlayed that into a, she has a, I don't know if it's an internship, or I think it's the job with ESPN, and she gets to travel to... X amount of games and all this stuff. Awesome. So it's it's it's, cool. it's it's really cool. I mean, she was a hard. Oh, not to mention she was a um, double major, triple minor. I think. Mm. So um, you're saying hard work pays off. It's weird. It's a weird <laughs> yeah. concept. It's uh, we we talked about that with with uh, with Bree a little bit, right? Where it's just like people are afraid of to work. 
Yeah. You know. Unfortunately. And unfortunately, yeah. everyone has FOMO, and it's like if I work, I'm gonna miss out on all the fun things. And people, it's that delayed gratification of, hey, if I actually work really hard, uh, I may be able to enjoy these things later. Mm. People don't want to do that. So, um, I digress. <laughs> uh, get on my get off my soapbox for a second. So, um, leaving school with a marketing degree um, with are you happy with the marketing degree at that point yeah yeah I was um, you talked a little bit about my dad and it just kind of is fitting one of my favorite classes I did was personal selling um, so I knew I wanted to get into sales um, originally when I wanted to do broadcasting I wanted to do sports broadcasting so um, sales and marketing you know leaving NKU I was looking for um, or NKU. You said NKU. Yeah. EKU. <laughs> I was uh, looking for a job in, in sports marketing, really. So that's kind of how, when I left, I ended up with um, going through a sales training process with Major League Soccer. So, yeah, I was, I was very happy, especially, you know, starting out and getting that opportunity was great. And getting the opportunity to travel, yeah? Yeah. Um, I guess we should back up a little bit before then um, because before I took a full-time job I did um, have to take a few months and go to Arizona so we'll get to that yeah in a little bit okay um, well yeah I got to I got to go to Minnesota um, for um, the, the sports training program um, which wasn't that fun because it was Minnesota in January and it was freezing. We <laughs> <laughs> got you now. It was a very interesting program. I got to learn a lot. Um, it was a great opportunity. Um, it was sponsored by Major League Soccer, and we literally—is it kind of? It sound from what you describe, it's like a mm-hmm. feeder system. So they kind of bring you in and like train you up into what they would look for for their MLS sales. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's kind of like a feeder for, for the, the actual teams. Yeah. Okay. So um, at the end of the program, or when you're ready, you graduate when you're ready. Um, so when you're graduating, a few MLS teams will come and interview everybody, and then you get your offers and you get to pick um, where you go from there. And you picked? <laughs> the Bengals. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't end up um, going to an MLS team. I got offers from... Um, Chicago Fire and Kansas City, uh, Sporting KC, um, and but I also at that time before I had went to the program had interviewed with the Bengals and they had come back and offered me a position. Um, so I owned a house here still and it made the most sense to to come home. So I ended up coming home and working for the Bengals um, for about two years. Um, and then eventually did end up moving out west to California to work for Los Angeles Galaxy. And how long are you out there for? I was out there for almost exactly two years to the day. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and it was, a, it was a great experience. I loved being out there. Obviously, it's beautiful. Um, I learned a lot. So one of my favorite positions I've ever had. Um, worked my way into um, supervisor for premium seating and sales out there. And just loved it, really, honestly. Um, and for those of you guys who don't, who who don't maybe don't follow MLS, but are listening and follow CrossFit, that was the StubHub Center, yes, which is where the CrossFit Games were held from 2011 
2010. 2010. 2010 uh, until recently, in the, within the last two years. So, um, you know, they're they're. Do they ever do? They did stuff on their main field, right? Yeah, they had a. They started out obviously small, like yeah, just yeah. Using but it was like court. the tennis court and stuff like that. But tennis they, court and they had a track, and then they ended up using the actual MLS, the actual MLS turf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I actually sold two two CrossFit games. I was in charge of premium sales for two CrossFit games, and they did. They um, well, the whole time I was there, they used the big field for kind of the qualifiers, things mm-hmm. like that, leading mm-hmm. up, and then the finals were always in the tennis court. Mm. Um, and that's what I ended up moving out. Actually, is the capacity of the tennis courts wasn't it was like great, but was, they wanted it there because they wanted it to be more intimate. It was like what, like six thousand people or something? I think it was yeah, eight thousand. Eight thousand, yeah. Some seats and whatnot. And I remember, I remember yeah. us going out there in two thousand eleven, and it was like it, it was packed, but it was like we could walk down. You could walk down. Yeah. yeah. You know, it was like it was mm-hmm. like it was like an empty Reds game. You know. Yeah. And uh, but it was just general admission. CD. Yeah, general admission, and then it was like we could yeah. bring. We literally went out there in 2011 with a cooler full of beer. Yeah, <laughs> bring it in. No money. Uh, I I do vividly remember being at the hotel and stuffing my bag full of bagels and peanut butter because <laughs> oh, we had that and like whatever their version of Hardee's is. <laughs> Carl's Jr. Carl's Jr. We had Carl's Jr. <laughs> That's the only thing we ate the whole time we were out there because had we had no money. We spent it on you know everything else, getting there and and all that yeah. stuff. So Early didn't even days. go anywhere. It's like we're in, we're in California. I was like, it was exhausted. Well, yeah, walk walk from. Can't the imagine what the athletes would were feeling. We were exhausted just watching oh, all yeah. day, just watching and having and three beers in the sun. It <laughs> never failed. It was always the hottest yeah. weekend of the year. Yeah. Like it's normally, you know, even throughout summer, seventy five and sunny in, you know, Southern California, mm-hmm. and it was always in the nineties. Yeah. Not to mention, <laughs> not to mention the turf was, yeah. you know, not not the because ML the. The Galaxy, they play on actual grass. Yes, but they, grass. the one area they were on was turf turf. Track. And it was, it'd be like, all right, it's 89 degrees out and it's 114 on the turf. Yeah. So, um, go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, maybe um, just contrast and compare maybe those those jobs um, between like organizations, you know, being with the Bengals, being with the Galaxy. Is it just pretty straightforward? You're just kind of selling ticket packages or they're like, completely different are you interacting with you know play mm-hmm. like i'm sure someone on the service be like wow what's you know what's uh marvin lewis like you yeah know? it's yeah. like oh I don't, I don't have meetings with him or or maybe you do um in my position i was a lot more involved in the team and everything at la galaxy than at the bengals mm-hmm. obviously i was fresh out of college um sure i did see players and i saw marvin um Mostly, I would see Marvin in the mail room <laughs> when he was in there for something. Yeah, we, hey, you know, we don't talked. Screw this he's, up. <laughs> he's, yeah, he was very nice. He was always very nice to me. Um, I still remember him and his wife got us all Christmas presents, and it was just really sweet. They were like Bengals wine glasses, and I was like, oh, that's you know, yeah. super nice. Um, you know, and I we were allowed to use the the gym um, during certain hours, so. I'd see the players from time to time or working training camps, things like that. We'd come in contact with them. Um, but pr- primarily you're kind of, are you cold calling people or is it like you're calling people from like about renewing packages or? So packages? in the premium world, it's a little bit different than just the straight up sports ticket sales. Yeah. Um, we 
cold call like corporations, things like uh, that, people you. who want to use it for you know entertainment purposes. Sure. Um, we were also doing, and this is kind of because it's Bengals, it's kind of funny. We were doing um, like an amnesty deal where people who previously had had club season tickets mm-hmm. could come back and not pay um, the seating licenses and get mm-hmm. get a discount. Um, yeah. So that was really my program and my job was to call these people and find out why they left and mm-hmm. how we could get them back. What, so. <laughs> what um, and this is actually something we've never really talked about. I'm just out of curiosity because Cincinnati sports get kind of shit on, for lack of a better term, a lot by the people who live here. Mm-hmm. If we're doing bad, like the whole city is a giant bandwagon. And that's, <laughs> that's probably true in a lot of cities, but like now we have FC Cincinnati. We have three major league sports teams in a relatively small city. Not many cities have that. And, right. and like, I feel like the whole city just bandwagons. Like, we've been to Reds games where there's no one. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely no one there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, and I know it's such a big stadium, but like, it just feels so empty. And when the Bengals do bad, no one shows up. Mm-hmm. No one at all. So what's the, what's that like riding a wave of when we're doing good? Because I'm sure you can tell. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's it's one of those things where you're watching on Sunday night. You know, if it's if it's an away game. Because um, it, it, it's I mean it's affecting your your income. Mm-hmm. What you know whether they do good or bad. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I said it's you know you're watching on Sunday night and you're just hoping that that we win because that really just determines what sort of Monday you're going to have. When you, you know? when you only got 16 games. Yeah. It's not it's not like the Reds where right. oh we got 172 of these bad boys. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember just going in on Monday mornings after they would just have a terrible loss and getting on the phones and just you would hear it from people. Like they thought that you It was your fault. It was right. my yeah. Right. Like, or I you had have a direct something line. to do with it. Ran the ball that right. play. Like, <laughs> like if, if I tell her, you know, what I think, she's gonna go tell Marvin and like, like who runs yeah. on third and eight? Yeah. Yeah, so. I'm gonna have to dive super deep, obviously, down that rabbit hole or whatever, but I was just kinda of more like curious, like, all right, like kind of just a little bit of contracts. So Bengals and then to the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. I think they were pretty good, right? They're yeah. They like so. won the championship. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you um, went from that to <laughs> Yeah. It, it, a very successful team. And it, but it's interesting because my first year out there, my first full season there, we did win the MLS Cup. Um, it was Landon Donovan's last season. Oh, he sweet. announced he was retiring. Um, it was his last season. We had just you know a lot of people that wanted to come on board. They were doing well. They ended up winning the cup. Hmm. Um, so renewals for the next year. We're, but despite Landon leaving, they were really good. Um, sure. And then the next year we did not do so well, and it was just very interesting to see, mm-hmm. you know, the well, compare and contrast and, of that. And two, you know, we, the the FC games that we go to, you know, you're talking about your experience there, and there's this USL team is is selling higher ticket sales than mm-hmm. an MLS. Team. And granted, the the profit margin on a USL game is much lower than like an MLS game because your ticket prices and everything are going to be much more expensive. But I feel like. Um, in LA in a city that big and that nice and the weather's always nice it's like there's other things to do right mm-hmm. in Cincinnati right. it's like alright we got this 
And we got this other think, thing and one other thing. I think to there's do. some undertones there, just like Cincinnati. You you said I'm not from here. You guys are, but I feel like they're just desperate for a winner. Oh you yeah, know, like they. We are now. I mean, now um, that Cleveland's won, we are now we are now the longest running city without a championship. Yeah, there you so, go. So in mean, a professional sport, and, and and you know, Lauren was seeing it on the front lines of it's just. You know, it's easier to sell things if you're winning. Mm-hmm. It's easier for people, you know, to sign up here at Triumph whenever they see a lot of people here. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, if they come in and it's an empty gym and they're like, "What the heck's going on?" Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just just one of those like kind of momentum things. Yeah. And you know, being from from Pittsburgh area, <laughs> um, you know, city of champions. What's up? <laughs> anyway, I did I did I did deal with Kristen. Here, here's, and your... the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know when. You know, we've been blessed, obviously, to have Super Bowls um, for the Steelers and then championships for uh, the Penguins, Stanley Cups for the Penguins as well. Um, but the Pirates have been kind of a, a laughing stock for a long time. Um, you know, they had 17 consecutive losing seasons. It was the most ever in the major leagues. I didn't feel like a lot of people in general just, like, completely wrote them off. I mean, for sure... Um, they became, there became the stigma around them, uh, around basically uh, anytime they would get a good player, they would trade them away. You know, you know, I think one of the things I heard, they were the New York Yankees, like, farm team. So not to say that, you know, again, it was a lot easier to just like, all right, well, we'll focus on the Steelers and the Penguins, and, you know, the Pirates are the Pirates. But to have probably all three of it, like you're saying, hey, the Bengals and the Reds are obviously the, the big kind of ticket items yeah. in Cincinnati – for both of them to, to kind of struggle year in and year out. I can see where if someone came in like the Cincinnati, you know, all of a sudden this FC Cincinnati thing and they're they're rolling through and, um, you know, it's fun and it's interesting and they're winning, you can you can kind of see why. Yep. You know? Yeah. So it's, 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 it's been cool to watch. Yep. And I think in general, and I noticed this being in um, the NFL as well as the MLS, the MLS does a really good job, and I, I think it is because it's a newer, you know, organization. It's a newer professional sport in the country, but they do a really good job of interacting with the fans, interacting with the community. Um, the players are very a lot more accessible to the community. They do a lot with youth soccer, youth soccer programs. Um, you know, if you go to any of those games, there's always you know kids mm-hmm. on the field. Even LA Galaxy, even when David Beckham played, they had um, mm. it was called the the high five line and the star um, star lineup. So they would have um, youth teams, two youth teams every game come, like when they announce the players, they would yeah. walk They'd, in holding mm-hmm. their hands. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. That's, and that's an international thing too. Yeah, um, yeah. I, and just from a, a, a guy who's visually oriented, their branding's way better than any. <laughs> it, just, it just is, like the, the Bengals, it's, it's middle of the road America. You know, the, the Cincinnati Reds are very traditional, but they have, you know, Mr. Redleg and all this stuff. And, like, it's, you have the little mustache thing, which makes it a little more interesting to, like, younger crowds because it's, like, slightly ironic. But, like, the FC brand is is geared towards people who go to Nippert Stadium, like, mm-hmm. you know, 19 to 23-year-olds, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, it's, it's their branding's just way better, and they've done a really good job with it. I hope they don't change a whole lot. So, yeah. Because. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I don't, I kind of want to touch back on, um, talking about going to Arizona. So I, 
we deal with a lot of this on a regular basis, you and I uh, together. And there's a lot of people that maybe don't know this about you. Um, and I, I don't know, it's tough because, you know, we, we just had um, our friend Kristen on here and, you know, Kristen went through a really tough time with some cancer, but it's like one of those things that doesn't necessarily define her, but it's a part of her life. Mm -hmm. um, and, but for her, it's like it's a, it was a disease that hopefully she's putting behind us. This is something that you kind of live with mm -hmm. uh, almost every day. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe just go a little bit into uh, kind of your experience and, and having to go to treatment and, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, so what you know, you're alluding to, obviously, is my journey with living with an eating disorder. Um, I was, it started in college. Um, I thought that I was, you know, just being super healthy and, um, you know, as I mentioned before, I was a group fitness instructor, so I was working out several times a day. I became what they call um, addicted to exercise um, and exercise bulimia, so basically I would work out anything, work off anything that I ate. Um, and not to be confused with bulimia where you're actually physically exactly, exactly. throwing up. So it's it's the same concept, only I'm working, instead of eating and then throwing up, purging that way, I'm eating and then exercising um, to a extent that is, you know, harmful for my body. Um, and then I started, I started just with that, and then I started getting really into um, nutrition and the foods I was eating, and I cut out a lot of foods um, out of my diet, and I never like went days and days and days without eating, but it was the small amount that I was eating coupled with the over-exercise that really did it for me. Um, so after being kind of in denial about having a problem for a few years, um, I was diagnosed with anorexia and exercise bulimia my senior year of college. What, um, what are, what, you used to talk about denial, what are, you know, everyone talks about having, a, you kind of have to hit a rock bottom. Uh -huh. What's, what was the bottom for you? Um, or was there one? Yeah, there was, there was a couple. Um, the, the thing that made me first seek help and was I went through a really bad breakup. Um, part of that was because I was so sick that, you know, I, I couldn't be a good girlfriend or friend to anybody at that point. Um, and I went to treatment for the breakup and my therapist actually helped me to, or realized <laughs> that I was, you know, I had these symptoms of an eating disorder. Um, so for me, the, the, I tried to do treatment by myself for a while, um, you know, after I, I went through this, the breakup, and then I kind of talked myself out of it. What, what, is, what is treatment involved? Like what, so you're doing this, you said treatment by yourself. So I was trying to go to a dietitian. I would travel to Lexington from Richmond twice a week and go see a dietitian, um, and I would see a therapist. And then, you know, it's basically outside of seeing a therapist twice a week and a nutritionist twice a week, I was on my own to, you know, do the meal planning and do, you know, the homework that they would give me. Um, but the hardest thing for me was just doing that. I kind of re-talked myself out of 
It's like, oh, I don't have a problem. I can do this. I'm fine. Um, and then it wasn't until <laughs> my rock bottom, I do remember it very significantly, there was a moment. Um, it was actually, I was home for my mom's birthday. Um, and I basically had a panic attack because along with eating disorders comes a lot of anxiety. Um, depression is all coupled in with it. So I basically had a panic attack and thought that I was having a heart attack. Um, because at that point I would, I would have a lot of weird pains, some due to anxiety, some due to, you know, being malnourished. Um, but I ended up in the hospital on my mom's birthday. <laughs> mm. And it was basically just for like dehydration and malnutrition. Um, and that was when I was kind of like, okay, I can't do this alone. Yeah. Um, and that was your first, first treatment center? That was, that was when I agreed to go to my first treatment center. So. I talked to the doctors, they wanted me to go right away, but I was, I was basically two weeks away from graduating and three weeks away from my roommate's wedding. And I was like, I will, you know, I'll stick to a meal plan, I'll, I just really wanna graduate. Like yeah. I really wanna, you know, walk and graduate and I really wanna be, I was in my, my roommate's wedding. So I literally left the day after um, Beth and Justin. Some of you guys might remember Justin Reynolds who came here for, for a while. Um, I left to go to Arizona for treatment the day after their wedding. Um, and and that, you know, we've we've talked about it too. Like, not only are you um, doing detriment to yourself, but you had a lot of relationships that really struggled mm -hmm. and suffered from it, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, everything from, you know. Friendships. Um, I wasn't a great friend. I. You know, what do you mean? Like you're not a great friend? Is it because you're, you're only solely focused on, you know, I can't hang out with you guys because I'll have to exercise if we go out and eat, or, or is it like you're just? I mean, you've seen me hangry. Um, <laughs> it was more. It, it's weird when you get into um, a deep state of, you know, your eating disorder and your depression. Um, it's it's a, it's a couple things. I didn't go out as much as a lot of people did, you know, my senior year of college because I would stay home and I was also a perfectionist. So I was very into school, you know. I I graduated with like a 3.9 GPA. Um, yeah, you're you're much smarter than I am. <laughs> you don't have to throw that in my face. <laughs> so I was focused on yeah. school, but I used that a lot as an excuse to you know not go out to eat and not. Hang. And even when I did, I wasn't truly myself. I wasn't the person that people met my freshman, sophomore year. Um, I was Just, kind of a shell yeah. of who I was. Um, and I don't honestly, my friends now will joke about it, but they'll bring up like a girl that was a freshman because I was in a sorority. They'll bring up a girl that was a freshman when we were a senior. And I honestly don't remember things because I was so sick. Um, I People, events, They'll talk about things that happened and I just don't mm -hmm. I can't recall them yeah it just consumed you yeah all consuming and, and, and it's an addiction like it's you have a disease mm -hmm. you have you, you they need you're, treatment yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so and I think there's this, this weird stigma um, surrounding and that's one thing that I, I personally love about you so much is being open and able to talk about mm. things that that affected you very and still affect you very deeply mm -hmm. um, because you know, I know we've we've talked about 
uh, people you see kind of along the way and you're just like they need help and you you can mm-hmm. see that because you've been there you know and it's just really tough um, and I think being open and able to talk about it you know if nothing else if you can get someone to like realize that like wow maybe it's not as is crazy to think that I could get help mm-hmm. and I didn't I wasn't as open about it until after my second treatment center and after I was recovered for a while and I I realized that talking about that there's a lot more people out there even if it's not a full-blown eating disorder there's a lot of people out there who have disordered eating or disordered body image or distorted body I think, image I mean all of us all of us do uh, you know and not to speak on Mark's behalf but I mean I know like Mark has this Mark is is big he's broad-shouldered but in your mind you're small and we I know as someone who's known you for a while now I know that's not true but you know it's like and and thank you Jared. yeah <laughs> you know Mark's, yeah. Mark's abs stick out of his shirt like that's the thing you know it's 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 something that you know a lot of us strive for but you know it's one of those things I know for a while you were um, I gotta go home and eat a whole pizza Right. Because I need calories, and then mm-hmm. for, and I will. I'm not going to keep putting words in your mouth, but like yeah. I know from what we've talked about is like, wow, I feel like crap. Yeah, it's all accurate. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, it's 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 true. One of the things I'll jump in uh, on is you know just to further that point. My sister battled uh, anorexia and in, uh, in high school, and she was probably about five six, and she shares this with with people, and she mm-hmm. tries to get it out and. I think it's great to talk about it. I mean, you're super brave for, for coming on and sharing. And uh, she hit it for a very, very long time. You know, in some example. So the trigger point for her was someone called her fat. Yeah. You know, that's crazy. And, and that's uh, crazy. Someone, you, know? Someone, you know, it's high school, right? Yeah, someone exactly. Called her fat. And all of a sudden, you know, my sister went from having just normal ish kind of birthdays to asking my mom to make banana bread for her birthday cake and all of our clothes don't fit her anymore and all of a sudden she's down the she's five six and she's down to 98 pounds wow you know as an 18 year old Mm -hmm. and you know she tries to help people um as much as and i'm sure it's still something she battles um to this day after having three three kids and you know she's as soon as you know same way that she'll get you know pregnant and you know swell up and have a kid she is right back on to being thin again and she's you know still uh very very tiny um so on and so forth but anyway i think to your point everyone even if you personally you don't want to come to terms with you struggle with it or have your body issues someone within your circle does Mm -hmm. and they might be too scared to talk about it so um thanks for coming on yeah of course what um so you said second treatment center Mm -hmm. so you you go to one um and we've talked about things that happen there and just how you know I know you can joke and laugh about it now but I mean there's some you know your your insurers and uh, Skittles <laughs> if anybody and, has not tried it um, Reese Puffs with butter uh, I think it's buttercream insure plus it's really good it's really <laughs> that good sounds amazing. you so, ever need some calories <laughs> there you go um, so you go to first treatment center and you're doing okay for a while mm-hmm. and then eventually you have to go back so the thing about um, treatment, and I think this goes for any sort of you know disorder, anything, and you know one of the things you said about your sister that kind of brought up a point that I wanted to to share. Uh, one of the things that you learn is that 
people are pre-wired for eating disorders. Mm -hmm. um, some people don't believe that, but I could hear the exact same thing that my friend hears, and I'm going to take it completely differently, and that's going to trigger me to, mm. you know, start down a path just like you said your sister did. Um, so it is, you know, and I think that that's something that was hard for me because I kept thinking it was a choice and something I could just choose to do or not to do, um, and that's not the case. Um, and like you mentioned, it's something that will always be with me. But along with that, you when you go to treatment and when you go to a treatment center, you have to be ready. Um, and I think that's with any sort of you know addiction, drug addiction, alcoholism. I think you, not even just addiction, you just insert the word change. Yeah. Because we see that here. Uh huh. You know, we we coined a little you know it's a phrase and it's not really ours, but like we always say that CrossFit is for everyone, fitness is for everyone, but you have to be mentally ready for it. Mm -hmm. Because we get a lot of people in here that get a hair up their butt and say, I'm ready for, I'm gonna change everything. And generally speaking, that's that doesn't work right. in their favor. Right, so, it's not practical. Yeah, right. exactly, it's not practical, no. yeah. It's like any quick fix or, you know, yeah. quick diet. It's a, it's a so nice anyway, diet. sorry to jump in. No, you're that. fine. Um, and the first time I went, you know, I, as I mentioned before, I was right out of college and I was, I was very ill. Um, to the smallest and sickest point I ever was with my eating disorder. But I wasn't mentally ready to completely give it up. Um, even going into treatment, and you know, you'll talk to some people about this, some people don't believe in inpatient treatment because they think it's just like a breeding ground for, for more eating disorders. You go in there and you get tips and tricks and you find out what other people were doing. Um, what, did we, what was that Netflix show we watched? Oh, was it called? Bone? Bones? Like bones? Bone? No. It was, it, I mean, it was eye-opening for me. Yeah. You know, and just seeing some of these, like, you know, you're you're in an outpatient center and, you know, you're, you're supposed to be getting better, but everyone's got these little, you know, like you said, tips and tricks to, like, cheat the system, so to speak. Oh, yeah. I remember we would get in trouble. Like, I would be standing in line for a meal, and I'd be just, like, shaking my leg. And it was called, like excessive movement like we would get in trouble for like moving too much because you're anxious burning calories oh wow. like if we were like just fidgeting or like swaying from side to side um yeah it was it was burning calories so we would get in trouble for that and i remember being at remuda like i said i wasn't i wasn't i thought i was ready um you went because you had to yeah i went because i had to and i remember being in once i was able to move out of the main house into a little cabin um, I remember going down there like in our free time and like doing sit-ups and push-ups and obviously things that are not you know helping me get better um, and I was kind of rushed through the system due to some insurance things and so long story short I, I was better for a little while and then I went right back to my old habits um, and some different habits and some things that I actually learned while I was in, in treatment um, and I ended I ended up having to go back to a treatment center and this time I did it on my own terms and I think that that was what made all the difference um, I was actually the one that told my parents I was going this time um, there, I think there's something to be said about that having to do something and wanting to do something yeah I mean we again just correlating it to here it's we see people who have to come here and they almost never 
ever follow through with it, mm-hmm. you know, versus the people who really want to make a change or really just want something different, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so there's a, there's an absolute truth to wanting to do something and having to do something. Mm-hmm. You just don't. I mean, think of college courses where it's like I have to take English 101. I want to take this thing that I'm very interested in, right. you know. Um, so you go through second treatment center. Um, and you're not just magically better, no. but you are, you are given, I think, I think that is the, um, maybe a misconception about people who don't really know anything about any sort of addiction or, um, disorders. You, you're given tools to kind of carve your journey through life out with, mm-hmm. right? Right. So what are some of those tools that, that were given? Um, I mean, some of the biggest things, honestly, it's just changing, changing our thoughts. So it's it's like, what's the actual um, terminology called? CBD. Yeah. Um, cognitive behavioral, or CBT, sorry, therapy, and then there's DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy. So I did both of those, but it's catching a thought in your head and realizing, okay, this is what I think. What is the truth? So. Mayonnaise was one of my fear foods. Everybody's are different. Mayonnaise was one of mine. So my thought was, if I eat mayonnaise, I'm automatically going to get fat. And that's what would go through my mind. So I didn't want to eat it, and I was afraid of it. So it's catching that thought of whatever it is. It can be be a food thing. It can be a multitude of things. But I think that if I eat this, I'm going to gain 20 pounds. The reality is, this is a very small portion of my day you know if I eat this I'm not gonna gain 10 pounds it's it's you're you're taking a step back Mm -hmm. you know because if if you're in this moment and all you're focused on is this little tiny thing the only thing you can see is this but what you're what you're trying to do is you take a giant mental step back to see a much broader picture right right and it's you know it's constantly talking to myself basically um I at first it wasn't just talking to myself it was writing things down writing down okay I'm feeling anxious what is my thought what is the reality what can I what can I think instead of this um or what's the truth so a lot of that you know through therapy and to the point where it becomes engraved in your mind and sometimes I still you know I I use I still use it and Sometimes I listen to it, and sometimes I don't. <laughs> and uh, that's what I, I'm here for. I listen more than I don't now, and I think that that's. I'm never going to be perfect, you know. I'm never going to not. I think you're perfect. Oh, thanks, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to not, you know, have a hesitation every time I eat a piece of pizza, and that's something that I I live with. And um, I'm never going to freak out if I miss. Well, maybe I won't, but maybe there'll be a time when I don't. But I still, you know, if I miss a couple of days of working out in a row, I still... And we talk about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's literally... And it's the openness and willingness to talk about it, too, that that makes me better. Because yeah. if I keep that inside and then I just go and work out six times in one day, you know, that's, that's not healthy. If I tell you, you know, Jared, I'm feeling really anxious because I haven't been to the gym in three days. We've... we've gone through text message conversations mm-hmm. and, and phone calls where I just get a text message that says I'm feeling very anxious mm-hmm. and we talk about it mm-hmm. and we talk about the reality of where you're at 
you know, and, and generally I think it helps. Um, but you know, what it comes down to is putting that decision back on you. Like if you really feel like you have to do this to get through your day, then it's fine, but know that this is where it's coming from, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I think, you know, that's, that's ultimately what everyone's trying to do in life is discover more truth. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what you're, you're, you're finding out as you're going through this journey is just separating like false from, from truth, like reality. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know what? If I don't work out for a week, guess what? I'm the truth is, uh, I'm probably knowing like you guys are obviously getting married tomorrow, which is awesome. <laughs> and you're going to go to Ireland. There probably won't be a CrossFit gym on every corner or a workout station. I'm not bringing anything this time. Yeah. Uh, but the like truth for Rome. Sorry, let me jump yeah, in. Lauren but made. the truth, you know, you guys will still move. You guys are still going to be walking a bunch. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, maybe we don't work out every day, but the truth of the situation is we're not going to be sitting behind a desk, you know, all day eating potato chips. Yeah. To, to that exact point, Mark, is we went to, when we went to Italy. I mean, mm-hmm. I think you actually had a conversation with your former therapist or something like that yeah. where you center and you're like I'm feeling anxious because I haven't worked out mm. and they're like aren't like, you walked 13 miles today <laughs> that is a workout yeah, you know like for sure it's not an average day and, and, yeah. And, yeah. and I didn't mean to jump in on you oh, but like good. we brought we brought you know we were packing when we went to Italy and I researched CrossFit places she researched CrossFit she we, we put <laughs> she's like you want to bring shoes I'm like no and she's like <laughs> she's like well just in case so we packed them in there Mm-hmm. And they stayed in the bottom of the bag because we the first day we got there we walked like thirteen and a half miles and I'm like I'm not I can't move like I'm done and that was one of my things that I got caught up on a lot was you don't have to go to a gym necessarily mm-hmm. and like do a workout to have worked out that day mm-hmm. like you know if you if you hike or if you I used to think like yoga wasn't a workout like mm-hmm. I was like oh. I can do like I was on yeah. exercise restriction. I'm like I can do yoga, and my therapist is like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you're preaching to the choir for sure because we definitely see people that'll come in here, and if it's just like five by five bench press, and that's it. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, is that all we're doing? Like, I need you, to go run. You, they need that feeling of I have to be on my back in a pool of sweat. If, if my heart rate is not a ninety percent maximal yeah. exertion, mm-hmm. I haven't done anything. And yeah. again, they just don't they haven't discovered that truth yet or yeah. whatever that is however you want to phrase it in the fa- in the sense of hey guess what you can just come in lift weights take two minutes of rest between sets and you know produce a good result for your body and the thing is you don't until you do what you're afraid of you're not going to realize that mm-hmm. what you're afraid of isn't going to happen so I think that's a big thing with going through treatment too is you know I was on awakening meal plan for the first time I went you know two months the second time I went four months and I was eating you know like I just said in insure and Reese puffs and mm-hmm. <laughs> all these things that scared the crap out of me because I thought mm-hmm. if I ate them you know I was going to gain a bunch of weight you were going to balloon and you'd be obese and yeah and you know I the reality of it is I wasn't gaining weight at first at all and um you know they had to increase my intake several times and it's just like even through those months and months of eating all these things that I was afraid of and not being able to work out 
I wasn't obese when I left yeah. and I, yeah. I wasn't, I think, you know, I still had weight to gain, which was crazy to me because I thought that, so it's just, it's, it's staring things that you're afraid of in the eye and like doing them. And you, until you can do that, you don't realize it. So for, for anyone that may be listening or, um, that they may have some of these feelings, like what is some advice you can give someone, um, you know, and maybe in either direction, maybe mm-hmm. you feel like I eat too much or maybe I eat, don't eat oh, enough. Yeah. Or, and that's it. That's the thing too, is, you know, throughout all of my treatments, I went to treatment with people who, you know, were severely anorexic, severely bulimic, were overeaters, people who would eat things that weren't food. Food. Yeah. Um, so there's all different, it's a whole spectrum, you know, of things. Um, and I think that, you know, we get, one of my things when I went to treatment was I didn't feel like I was thin enough to go to treatment. I literally like... I saw photos of you, you were thin enough. <laughs> yeah, but in my mind, you know, I would, and this is counterproductive, would starve myself for like the weeks before, like even more yeah. before I went in because mm-hmm. I felt like I needed to be thinner. So I kind of got off on a tangent there, but... Anything that, you know, you might be dealing with, the, f- the first thing to realize is that admitting that you're dealing with something like that or, you know, asking for help doesn't make you weak. It makes you very strong. Mm. And I remember one of my psychiatrists um, in my first treatment center, it, this was for a different thing, I didn't want to go on medication, but basically he was like, if you had a broken leg and you refuse to use crutches, like you that would make you an idiot basically <laughs> so it you know if, and yeah. just because it's not an outward injury um because you can't any, see the bone doesn't mean right. there's something wrong anything you're struggling with if you refuse to do something that's going to help you get better like no one is ever going to fault you for wanting to make yourself better and yeah. i think that that's and i think too realizing that the people that do don't have your best interests in mind and then there is a vast array of people in this world and personality types, and there will be people that will feverishly support you. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh yeah. So speaking of that, you guys are gonna make the plunge tomorrow. Say, <laughs> um, what does the future look like? Maybe you know, put Jared on uh, in on this too. What does the future look like moving forward? Obviously, you guys have not only spoke this on the podcast, but I'm sure it's something you speak about. I don't, I don't want to say how often you guys talk about it, but I know Jarrett is very um, uh, regimented about his nutrition. Mm-hmm. and um, That's something I actually learned from that I had to take into account because I am very type A, very regimented, very... I, I freak out when things are out of order mm-hmm. and had to learn. And I, I still remember it. We had a conversation and... Um, I was kind of having a moment of like, like we have to do this, like because this is the only time we have to do it. And I remember Lauren saying that, you know, basically like I don't want to have a schedule that surrounds food to be involved in my life. Hmm. And like it for me, like and it, again, I'm I'm a guy where it's like, you know. It's like, you want Chipotle? Yeah, let's go Chipotle. You know, it doesn't work the same for her, you know. Sure. So. What's that adjustment been like? I, it's, I mean, it's it's still tough, but I mean, it's, you know, I think it's a give and take. Just just like anything in life. But, you know, it's it's realizing that 
my habits may not fall into her best interest. Mm. Into my recovery. Yeah. 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 So uh, it's just been it's 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 been obviously a learning experience for both of us, and um, but at the same time, it's it's nice where you know she she'll actually push me out, and it's like we're gonna go, you know, have tacos on Friday, you know, and, mm. and go have a beer, and it's not gonna matter, you know, and and that's actually sometimes hard for me because it's sure. like I want to be able to get up and not feel like crap when I work out in the morning, but at the same time, is it better to enjoy this time together and build our relationship and maybe not feel the best if I'm working out in the morning. Oh yeah, I got got obviously news for you guys. I'm only a year into marriage, but it is about compromise, you know? So, um, you know, what what does this journey look like moving forward, Lauren? I think one of the biggest things um, that I found even in treatment is, well, there's a couple things, but you know, moderation. It's always everything in moderation. And like he said, you know, sometimes I do have to just be like, okay, we've been eating so good for five days, you know, let's go out and have some fun. And because for me, if I, if I don't, then I get into this. Well, in, in, in doing so allows us to go and have fun. Right. You know, you, you, it's not like I feel bad, you know, doing it, but you, it's that eighty twenty rule. It's it's knowing yep. that like yeah, put the work in. Like it's it's okay to to go and actually be social and enjoy yourself. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think as far as you know us moving forward, you know Jarrett has really helped me um, in my recovery. Honestly, this gym has helped me in my recovery. Um, you know, having somewhere to come and to work out and to realize that I can just do five by five bench press one day. And I you mm-hmm. know I don't. I was yeah. one of those people um, who thought you know I needed to do yeah. more. Um, and I'm honestly in the best shape of my life and I'm working out significantly less than I used to. That's great. Um, That's so, powerful. You know, I, I, you know, I love being here. It's, it's more of a social thing as well now. And it's weird that you're a lot stronger than you once were. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, this kind of allows me, it's, it's a very happy medium for me. I think when my therapist, I was still in therapy when I met Jarrett and when she heard that he owned a CrossFit gym, she was like, nope, this isn't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Unlimited access to a gym? I don't think so. (laughs) But um, it it really has helped me find that moderation um, and work out for the right reasons. So moving forward, you know, like you said, obviously, tomorrow's a big day. Um, But we do a really good job of talking about things. You actually said something, you know, especially after the wedding. uh, We're both anxious and we're both nervous and we're both on you know, high alert for anything and everything that's going wrong or right. And you said something the other day about just, I can't wait. Like after the wedding, I just want to be able to, I forget the way you put it, but essentially like, I don't want to have to monitor what I'm eating. Yeah. You know, just like, just enjoy ourselves for a little bit, you know, because every, you know, you want to, you want to look good and feel good for the wedding. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. You know, Um, but those on the outside who know you've been in treatment maybe think of like, Oh, you're you know, you're not eating enough, you're not eating enough of the right things, and it's like, you know, you know, you want to be able to look good for the wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not meaning that you're going to revert back to exactly everything. And there's obviously there's obviously reasons why there's fear of that, but at the same time, you've developed a lot of tools and a lot of knowledge that, um, and I, I won't let you. So it's another <laughs> thing too. So, you know, yeah. it's like we're going to eat ice cream tonight, and there's nothing you can do about it. So. Um, 
open communication is definitely that is that is probably the, the biggest, biggest the biggest thing for and both having Jarrett is very helpful because he does try to understand and he does you know recognize things in me and be like okay what's wrong <laughs> so right. um, yeah I think just just growing together and you know like he said earlier in this thing it is something that I do some people say that they they can be completely recovered and I've heard some people say they don't even think about you know and I love to be at that place at some point but for me it's still in recovery it's not recovered and mm. just realizing that and realizing that I still have to be aware and sensitive of it um, is a big a big thing for me yeah so. well Thank you so much for sharing that story, and oh. I'm excited for you guys. Congratulations! Um, I do want to put out there. I know it's the end of the podcast. I want to wrap things up here, but um, are you okay with people maybe contacting you if they have questions? Mm-hmm. Um, what's a good place to contact you? Um, I have a lot of people write me through Facebook. Um, that's that's always a good way to get a hold of me if you don't know you know my personal number or my email I'm not always the best at answering that (laughs) so if it goes a couple days it's not that I don't you know I'm not paying attention it's that I probably have not seen it Um, but that is probably the best way just know that it might take me a couple days to to get to respond (laughs) yeah so um, yeah Lauren's pretty open book about it so if, if you guys have questions or um, you know, not that you got to spill your guts out to her, but um, she's she's been through a lot. Um, I've been through a lot with her, so uh, feel free to reach out to me as well. Um, more than happy to give my limited knowledge, but my experience, and I can at least direct you to her if she hasn't answered your Facebook message. So um, I'll wrap things up here. Um, so uh, well, we can ask you. We got a couple minutes. What's your definition of success, babe? Oh man, I feel like I should. Clearly, you've never listened to our podcast. I do, I do. I just did not think about it. Um, I think to be successful, um, the word success and failure kind of are simultaneous to me. Whenever I think of success, I think of failure and the fear of failure. So I think to be successful is to do something that you know you you might be afraid of knowing that there's a chance you might fail because I think a lot of people don't do things because they're afraid that they're going to fail at them so and I don't think of it as like an overall I think there's a lot of small successes I don't think you're either successful or unsuccessful Um, I think that you know anytime you do something that you could fail at and you're afraid to do it and you you do it then that's a success even if you fail even if you fail, Even if you fail it's still a success. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Mrs. Baston, for coming on. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. Baston. I start calling you that now. Uh, thank you all for listening to Triumph Every Day. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, and everywhere your favorite podcasts are found. You can find us on triumphstrength.net, on Instagram at triumphstrength, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash triumphstrength. Thanks again, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Peace.